is a family service, as Ben mentioned before. So if you are in primary school or you want, you're a bit younger and you want to come up the front, we'd like you to come up the front and join our little party that we've got going on. So come on up the front. We've got some activities. We've got some cake, so that should be some incentive. Not everybody, just all the young people. <laughs> no, no, no mum. It's not gluten-free, so it's not for you. So come up on here, guys. We've got some stuff for you to be doing. It's great to see how many kids we've got here this morning, isn't it? It's really encouraging. Go on, you kids. Now, the first thing that we're going to do this morning is, guys, I want you to write down five friends that you you would invite to your birthday party or draw a picture One of the two, we want you to write down some names of people you would invite to your birthday party. Now, I want you guys as well, if if you write down and take notes, feel free to write down five names of the people that you would invite to your birthday party, or think about it um, if you don't have pen and paper. Up to five. You don't have to think of exactly five. You're not getting marked. This isn't the best five. Just five people that you would want to have a birthday party with. Just think about that. You guys get in there, write down some names. You guys thought of some names? You got an idea in mind about who you'd invite? Now keep those, keep those names in mind, because we're going to come back to that later. But firstly, we're going to set up a party. We've got some balloons up, we've got some streamers up. Hopefully you guys got given some party poppers on the way in. Some of you guys have got party poppers, so now would be the time to get out your party popper, if you've got one. And you guys, you're going to grab all your party poppers, and I'm going to count down from three to one, and then we're going to all pop them at the same time. So remember, it's not scary, the noise hopefully won't be too scary. It'll all come at the same time. Has everybody got their party popper? Are we ready? Aim it nice into the air. Aim it up nice and high. And we're going to count down. Are you ready? Three, two, one. Hey! Now, you're all picking that up later, by the way. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Now, is everybody in the party vibe? Everybody in the party atmosphere? Now, I want you all... Now that you've got your guest list, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine something. We're all going to listen and we're going to, <laughs> we're going to imagine something. So will you do that for me? Will you just close your eyes and listen and all of us join in. Just close your eyes and listen to this. Imagine this. Imagine that you've invited all of those people on your list to your party a few months in advance and everybody says that they want to come. Awesome. That's so good, isn't it? Everybody wants to come. You spend time planning what games you're going to play and what you're going to eat, and then the day of the party finally arrives. You've set up the decorations already, the party pies are in the oven, and then you get a phone call. One of your friends that you've invited has called you, and they're saying that they can't come anymore because they just bought a video game they want to play. A few minutes later, you get another phone call from another friend that you invited, 
They say you can't come. They say that they can't come because they want to go for a walk with their dog. One by one, all of your friends call and say that they can't come. Now, I want you guys to think about how it is that that makes you feel. Does anybody have any... I want you to think about it just for a moment. I'm going to ask a couple of you guys if you want to share about how that story makes you feel. So, firstly, give us your name, because I don't know you yet. What's your name? Nathaniel. Nathaniel? And now, thinking about that story, how does that make you feel? Upset. Upset. Yeah, right. Um, who else wants to say how they feel over here? Sorry, what was your name? Malachi. Malachi. How do you feel? I would be really upset, but I'd also be kind of happy because I get all the party parts to myself. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's going to be a growing boy, that's, that's no doubt. Anybody else want to share how they feel because of that story? No? Anybody else out there? How does that story make you feel? Just shout it out nice and loud. Hurt? Yeah. Disappointed? Betrayed? Lonely? Unloved. Unimportant. Right, you've been prioritised. Angry? Yeah. Well, all of those feelings are just a little bit about how God feels when we say that we want to do something else rather than be with God. And today's sermon is all about a story that Jesus told that is very much like the party that we just imagined. And Jesus told this story because he wants to tell us something about God and his world. So we're going to watch a video that actually tells this story. So if you turn your eyes to the projector there, you're going to watch this story. Thanks, Elijah. <laughs> Still got more party pops. Stories of the Bible, the parable of the great banquet. This is Jesus. hey who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love and healed people from their sickness. He did many miracles like walking on water. Oh, hey guys. And even raised people from the dead. Wahoo! One day, Jesus went to eat at the house of a Pharisee. He said to the Pharisee who was hosting the meal, When you give a dinner, do not invite your friends, your family, or your rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. But invite the poor and those who have trouble seeing and walking. Then God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. When a man at the table heard what Jesus said, Ahem. he said to Jesus, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with a story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. Already! When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. Got it! But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, 
I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. What? No way. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor. And those who have trouble seeing and walking. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. Great, all right. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. I don't really need to say much more after that, do I? It's a pretty comprehensive little video. But I want, to spend a cup, I want to spend the rest of our time together helping us understand this story a little bit better. So, I've got a question for you guys. Does anybody remember who Jesus is talking to right at the start? Do we remember the name of the people that Jesus is talking to? Anybody remember? Yes? Pharisees. That's right. He's talking to Pharisees. Now, I've got a second question for us to ask, but for that, we're going to have to take a survey and we're going to have to ask all of the people here to raise their hands. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you the question whether you think Pharisees are good people or bad people. All right? Now, I don't want any fence-sitting. We don't want any splinters in anybody's behind. Um, and remember, the election is coming up, and it's compulsory voting, and if you don't, then you'll get a fine. That's what's going to happen if you don't vote here. So I'm watching all of you. I want everybody to vote, and you guys as well. Do you remember anything about Pharisees from other stories? You might think, are they good people or bad people? I want you to raise your hand to say which side you're going to vote for. So for people who think that Pharisees are good people, raise your hand. Uh, we get a few. We get a few hands here and there. Get a few hands here and there. All right. And for people who think that Pharisees are bad people, raise your hand. Oh, there's a lot more there. <laughs> a lot more thinking that Pharisees are bad people. Well, that's interesting because definitely throughout the rest of the story of Jesus, Pharisees are criticised by Jesus. Um, but look at this verse, which comes just one chapter earlier in the story of Luke. Luke 13, 31 says that at that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. So the Pharisees don't actually want to see Jesus dead. They're not so bad. And in fact, they invite Jesus around to their house to have a, have a banquet. <laughs> Woo! We still got more, do we? Um, we'll give some people in here heart attacks we've got elderly people here but the Pharisees they don't seem so bad they actually 
invite Jesus around to the house. They want to listen to what he has to say. And it doesn't seem like they want to kill Jesus. But they disagreed on some things. And particularly, they disagreed about the outcasts of society. The poor and the blind and the lame. And this is because of some things that happen in the intertestamental period. Now, that's a big word. The intertestamental period is the time... You guys know the Old Testament and the New Testament? Do you know there's 300 years, more than 300 years between the two? Now, if you go up to Mount Lofty and you look out over Adelaide, nothing that we see, except for maybe some trees, will have been there 200 years ago. So 300 years is a lot of time. A lot of things can happen in 300 years. And because of the things that happened in those 300 years, some of the Jewish people started believing some weird things about what the Bible says. And that's what happens in the intertestamental period. It's a big word. Have a look at this verse from Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 8. It says, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that's cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken." Notice how it seems like Isaiah is saying that God's plan is to have a big feast, a big banquet at the end of time. And he wants to invite all peoples. Everyone is who he wants to invite. But remember, during this intertestamental period, some things start to go wrong. And if you look here, in Isaiah 25 verse 6, the first one, some Aramaic versions, which is what Je- the language that Jesus spoke, They said this instead of verse 6. They said, The Lord of hosts will make for the peoples on this mountain a meal. That's all normal. Then it says, And though they suppose it an honour, it will be a shame for them, and great plagues will be uh, what comes to their end. If you compare it to what says on the right, shame and great plagues is a bit of a difference to a fat banquet with wine and juicy marrow. There seems to be quite a bit of change that's happened there. And this is what's happening at the time of Jesus. People are thinking like this. And they believe that everybody who's not a Jew is going to be excluded from this big banquet. But it goes even further. There are some people, some Jews, who actually think about excluding some Jews as well. There's this community called the Qumran community, or if you want to be really Australian, it'll be Qumran. Um, And they are the people who... They had heaps and heaps of copies of the Old Testament and um, they are now known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. And we found them and along with that we found some other writings, some things that told us about what they believe. And this is one of the things that it said. It said, No one is allowed in to this great banquet who is paralysed in his feet or hands or lame or blind or deaf or dumb or suffering in his flesh with a visible blemish. So suddenly it's gone from all peoples to just Jews and then just to a certain number of Jews and everybody's being left out. 
And the Pharisees that Jesus is talking to probably think like this. And so when Jesus comes and he says, um, and he talks about this parable, he's speaking, he's completely changing their world. And because they thought that God didn't love the poor, the blind and the lame, they didn't love the poor, the blind and the lame. Well, if God doesn't love them, why should I? But Jesus decides that he wants to use a parable at this party to teach them. And remember, a parable is just a simple story used to teach something to those who hear it. And our goal this morning is to understand what Jesus says in this parable so that we can learn from it and try and understand what Jesus was trying to teach. Does that make sense? That's where we're going this morning. We're going to try and understand the parable. Now, to understand the parable... We need to understand who the characters are in the story. So here I've got a nice little engineering table for you guys. Um, In this story, the master who hosts the party represents God. He chose to invite his friends, who represent the Jewish people, to his party. But when the servant came to tell them that the feast is ready, they didn't want to come. And this servant represents Jesus, who comes to tell the Jewish people that the banquet is ready. And when rejected by his friends, the master doesn't sulk and give up and eat all the party pies himself. (laughs) He invites others to come and fill the banquet, the poor, the blind, and those on the country roads, who represent both the Jewish outcasts of society at the time and non-Jewish people. And something you notice in the story about the master is that he is generous. Jesus is teaching us that God is generous. He's the one hosting the party. He supplies everything. And when he's rejected, he doesn't sulk and decide to eat all the cake on his own, like we might be tempted to do, clearly. He was rightfully angry and hurt at their rejection of him, but he still responds with grace and generosity towards others. He doesn't hoard it for himself. And he invites others, particularly those who are rejected by most of society. And also, God's party is not exclusive. Uh, Being exclusive is when you don't invite certain people Although we often use it to describe something that's desirable or rare or valuable. You know, if you go to the exclusive club, it's like, ooh, you know, that's that's the swanky place, it's the place to be. But that's just wrong. Somehow we've come to think that if something's exclusive, it's more valuable than something that's available to everyone. But the most valuable thing in the world is offered to everyone. And that thing is the invitation to come to God's banquet. Just because everybody's there doesn't mean it's going to be bad or that it's not valuable. But still, people choose to reject the invitation and they make up excuses because they want to do their own thing, like in the story. But you see, no excuse is ever really a good one. No excuse. 
Now, the excuses that they gave in the parable, they might seem to be reasonable, maybe at first glance, but when you really think about it, they're bad and very insulting. Firstly, the first man says he needs to go inspect a field. I mean, he's clearly lying, right? Firstly, the, the banquet's probably going to be in the evening, and he can't see the field in the dark. Secondly, he would, have ex- he would have inspected the land closely before he bought it. No one would buy a field without knowing what was in it and how good it was at producing a crop, just like how none of us would buy a house without seeing it first. That's ridiculous. And thirdly, what's the rush? The field is going to be the same tomorrow. He's in no hurry. And the same applies to the second guy about the oxen. He won't be able to see in the dark. He already knows how the oxen work together, otherwise he wouldn't have bought them. And the oxen will still be there tomorrow. Essentially, he has said to the master, I'd rather spend my evening stumbling around in the dark staring at the backside of an ox than come to your banquet. (laughs) That's what he says. The third excuse probably seems more reasonable to us as well. he's He's just got married. But it's bad as well. This man had agreed to come to the banquet when he first received the invitation. Why would the fact that he was newly married mean that he couldn't come? Can a man not spend an evening out when newly married? Particularly for such a special occasion as a banquet. This is not like he goes out to three banquets a week and he needs to spend time with his wife. This is a very rare thing. And particularly given the male-dominated culture that this story is told in, it's actually quite rude to bail on a banquet that you agreed to come to in favour of spending time with your wife. Now, you might, you might, the cultures have changed and we think differently now, but back then, that was quite a rude thing to say. Jesus teaches in this parable that there is no good excuse to reject God's grace and his offer. God sent his son Jesus into the world to invite us to his feast. And it's a costly feast. There was no expense spared. God has prepared the best lamb, the lamb of God for us. There's no good reason or excuse to refuse God's offer. And why would you want to refuse it? It's going to be the best banquet ever, and it's going to last forever. But for some reason, people still don't want to come to this banquet. And there are two main reasons for this. Either it's because they want to do their own thing, thinking that it's going to be more fun than the banquet, or it's because they think that they aren't good enough to come. Whichever it is, people need to be compelled to come in. In the last part of the parable, the servant goes out to the country lanes and compels people to come in. Remember, look here in verse 23, it says, Go out to the the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in, so that my house might be full. This isn't just an invitation. And I've got a short video about what I think compelling looks like. It's it's somewhat amusing, and I hope it uh, communicates... Uh, a bit of truth, if anybody knows Seinfeld uh, from the 80s, this is quite an iconic passage from there. Have a look at this, guys. This is funny. 
take the pen. Oh, no. <laughs> Go ahead. I couldn't. Come on, take the pen. I can't take Do it. Do me a personal favor. No, thing. I'm not take the pen. I cannot take it. Take the pen. Are you sure? I'm positive. Take the pen. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Gee, boy. Jack, what are you doing? Stop Jack, it. we should go. <laughs> It was nice meeting you. Nice to meet you. Thanks again, Come on. Jack. <laughs> What'd you take his pen for? <laughs> now, if you know anything about uh, Middle Eastern culture, uh, that's a fairly uh, common thing. There's the offer and reject and offer and reject and offer and reject. It's actually seen as a good thing to do. Uh, it's not skipping over the next one, but... Um, there's compelling, right? And compelling actually requires um, three things. And I think they're shown a little bit in that video, and they're shown in Jesus as well. Firstly, people need to know what you're offering them is good. That's the first thing. People want, have to want to want it. Um, secondly, compelling people requires persistence. And thirdly, People need to be convinced that you genuinely want to give them what you want to give them. Um, this is why in that Middle Eastern culture there's the, no, 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 yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, because to, you really want to know that the person wants to give it to you. And all of these things are shown in what Jesus does. Jesus shows us how good it is to be with him by the way he treats people. We read about in his story about the way that he loves and surely everybody wants to be in that environment. Jesus also persists. He persists through pain and then even death so that he might give us this gift. I mean, clearly, like, if you're going to the end of yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, Jesus dying is probably the trump card of yes, I want you to have it. And that, so the story of Jesus is pretty compelling, isn't it? The invitation that Jesus gives is very compelling. And so I want to sum up what Jesus is trying to teach us. Firstly, we are all invited to the banquet. Whether you're tall or you're short or Jewish or Asian or blind or athletic or anxious or confident, whether you grew up a Christian or you aren't sure who Jesus is yet, you are invited by God to attend the best party of all time and for all eternity. Jesus came into the world to compel us all to come to his party. Secondly, whatever excuse you might have for not wanting to accept this invitation, it's not good enough. You've been given all of the opportunity and information you need and the gift is unbelievably good. Don't delay in accepting this gift. If you're someone who hasn't accepted this invitation that Jesus offers um, and you haven't done that before, could I encourage you to speak to myself or to Ben afterwards? Um, we'd love to just chat with you and answer any questions that you might have. Thirdly, if we are to live like Jesus which we all want to do, we must be compelling others to come in. We don't just invite our friends to church or to youth group or to read the Bible with us. 
we must compel them. We must be persistent. We don't just ask once. I'm not saying be annoying or nagging, because that's not particularly compelling. But people need to be convinced about how much we care. People need to know how much we want them to accept the invitation to God's party. If they don't think that we really want to offer it to them, it's not particularly compelling, is it? And a good way to show someone that we really want them to accept this invitation is to give them a little bit of a taste. We should invite them to our homes. We should enjoy good food together. We should laugh together. We should listen to one another. We should do as Jesus says. This is from the start of the passage. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So who are you going to invite to your party now? Think about those names you thought about at the start of who you would invite to your birthday party. Are the names going to be any different? And I want to, spend you, just, I want to allow you guys to spend a minute thinking about and praying for those people that you would now invite to your birthday party. And then I'll pray to wrap up. So just spend a minute or two thinking about those names and praying for them. I'm just going to wrap us up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that your invitation is not exclusive, that we are included in this beautiful banquet and feast. We thank you that you sent Jesus into the world to prepare the banquet and to compel us to come in. We pray for those friends of ours that we might... um, leave as outcasts, that we would compel them to come in and know your banquet, to know your feast. We pray that you would give us courage and strength to love those and sacrifice because it's going to be costly. But we pray that you would put those people into our lives and you would give us courage and strength to love as you loved and to compel people to join us in that wonderful feast for all eternity. In your wonderful name, amen.